Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Stronghold Podcast. We have a very special guest on the podcast today. This is three-time ADCC gold medalist and the current absolute champion of ADCC, Yuri Samoyes on the fucking Stronghold Podcast. What's up, dude? What's up? Thanks How for having you? me, guys. I'm great. I'm great. How are you? I'm good, man. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I know that this was going to be like a huge guest to talk to. I mean, you're the current fucking champ, dude. It's That's awesome right. that you're in Singapore. I was just telling you um, right before we started the podcast that like, you know, the Singapore jiu-jitsu community is pretty small, especially like we all compete with each other, right? Mm -hmm. So multiple competitions, you know how the competition scene is. You just start to see the same people over and over again and open yep. mats and then you, you build the scene, right? And then, uh, you know, when you're going to come here, like the current absolute champion is going to come to Singapore. Everybody heard about it. So uh, today, if you don't mind, I'll pester you with a bunch of questions about your training, about what it was like to win ADCC, all of that kind of stuff. And I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Man, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invite. And yeah, man, please do. I'm here for that. Just keep the, the questions coming. I'll answer. Awesome. And if you want to train with Yuri, he's at Pineapple MMA, which is about a five minute walk from my house. Yes. So this is a very convenient <laughs> trip for you to make. Yep. I literally walked here. So yeah, it's very close. <laughs> Nice, man. So first of all, uh, we'll start off with, what do, you, what do you think about Singapore, man? We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but I think you said you've been here for about four months. Like, yeah, what do you about, think about it? four, four and a half months. Man, I like it, Singapore. You know, I was here three times before, two times for one championship and one time way back in the day, like I think in 2013 for a seminar. And, you know, now I got to see a lot more, you know, from Singapore. All the other times I was here was like quick uh, visits. You know, when I came for one, I didn't get to see much. I was obviously focused on my fights. Uh, but I like it, man. It's, it's very different in the U.S. I was living in the U.S. for 11 years. And like I was telling you, especially like the driving factor, like over there, you, you, you need a car to go everywhere. And then you just kind of get used to... Uh, riding the train, using the public transportation. I think that's the biggest difference. Um, and then I don't have any problem like the food or anything. Like I can eat, <laughs> I have like a shark stomach, I can eat anything. So. That's the real question if you're talking <laughs> to somebody about Singapore. What do you think of the food? Yeah, I actually like the food here, yeah. You know, it's a lot of like Chinese food, Indian food, and then Malay food, right? Like I like all of that, all of that both. So I'm Did you lose weight that. when you moved here? Because I noticed that as soon as I moved here and like got off the sort of American diet, I still ate kind of clean. But once I moved to Singapore, I just instantly dropped like five kilos. I don't think I lost that much weight. You're no. looking pretty thick, bro. Yeah. You're looking pretty fucking jacked. I'm just going to be honest with you right now. <laughs> you walked Thank in and I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. I see, I see why you're the absolute champ. God damn, you built like, built like a silverback, dude. I'm a little bit chunky now, to be honest. <laughs> I've been eating more than I should. <laughs> so Singapore has not taken the weight off you, let's say. Maybe no, 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 not at all. <laughs> all right, dude. Well, let's get into a little bit of the, the training talk, if you're cool with that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, my first question would be like, as a coach... Like, how do you structure your training sessions? I mean, you've obviously been incredibly successful. You're one of the most uh, accomplished ADCC Nogi grapplers ever, three-division champion, three different weight classes, current absolute champion. I mean, what, what do you prioritize your training? Like, how do you set your training camps up? Like, do you kind of outline what you're going to do? Do you have a coach, kind of mastermind, who does it for you? Or is it a little bit of both? A little bit of both. Um... And when you're talking about training, you're referring specifically to ADCC or just in general? I guess we'll take a general approach. Yeah, well, like because a, it changed a lot, you know, like my training for an average tournament is not like how I train for ADCC, I think. Well, then let's go with ADCC, actually. Yeah, like, because you got to take it to a next level ADCC because the matches are way longer than 
you know, the average tournament match time. And then also you have like the best grapplers in the world. So I feel like that's one of the things that uh, helped me win ADCC is like I took my camps to the next level. Like it was, it's always very extreme. And, you know, like the only time I didn't win ADCC was my third ADCC uh, run. And it's because I started way too early training on that pace. So I feel like, early. yeah, so I started training like five, six months before that tournament on the pace that I usually train. You know, every time I win ADCC, I train on like a very hard pace. But I think it was too early. So when it was like July, my body was falling apart. I almost tear my biceps and so all So you this. overtrained? I think like I overtrained because I started too early. So like on the three months mark, that's when I should be competing. That's what I found out, especially in the last camp. I was like, now I'm going to do three months. I'm going to start exactly three months before 12 weeks. And it works perfectly like that. You know, every, every time I won, that's how I did 12 weeks. And it's very, very intense training, you know, like by Tuesday or Wednesday, like it hurts to get out of bed, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. but then you got to like, you got to like be committed to it because you know, like your opponents are training. Yeah. So you got to go and you got to do it no matter what. But, um, I feel like on the last two weeks of training, my body's feeling like amazing, but it's also like a glass, yeah. you know, you have to start tapering it off and stuff. And my training consists of like a lot of wrestling, uh, obviously a lot of grappling jujitsu and then, very intense conditioning training. The last uh, camp that I did for ADCC, I, I had uh, Aiton, Coach Aiton, helping me with my conditioning. He's an amazing coach. He he uh, was in the Olympics for the wrestling national team, U.S. wrestling national team. Uh, he was, I think, Daniel Cormier's conditioning coach at some point as well. Uh, trained with the judo national team, I think, uh, for quite some time. So super experienced coach. He helped me a lot. He was... Uh, very creative with his training and uh i think he was able to replicate like the intensity of the tournament you know and mixing it up all these different like what did he have you doing like what kind of shit were you so doing? a lot of it was circuit training i do I, like i do weights throughout the year you know just for injury prevention i mix it between hypertrophy strength and a little bit isometric on my own and i do some mobility stuff but with him it was mostly like circuit training focusing on like on obviously stamina explosiveness you know muscular uh, endurance yeah all of that stuff you know like uh more focus for performance you know so mm. we we would do like uh maybe five exercise combined uh and then do that like three sets but no stop just going 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 and then after that was done then i would get a little rest i would have a, li a little active rest jumping rope or like you know, like some cardio, like air bike. And then I would get like maybe a two minutes rest and then go to another round of like five exercise and another round. And like, as we were like advancing, like maybe like on the week four or five, then it would get longer, we'd get more rounds. So at some point it was like a, an hour and 45 minutes of conditioning. Whoa. And that after, that was after like, you know, because I split my conditioning between my conditioning and my training, six hours, minimum six hours. You know, I feel like a lot of people, they go from practice way too soon to condition. They're not able to be productive, you know? Yeah, they're not recovering in between. Yeah, it becomes counterproductive. You're at risk of injury, you know, like, especially like the camp for ADCC was in summer in California. So I was sweating so much, man. Yeah. I had to force myself to be drinking water all the time. So I would separate my my training like six hours apart from from each other, you know, like, so... Morning and evening, something like that? You yeah, so I would do, I would go... 
So competition class would start 1 p.m. at Kyle, uh, Kyle Terra Academy. That's mm -hmm. my coach, Kyle Terra. And um, everybody that was, you know, competing in other tournaments, you know, there was Mason Fowler as well, my, mm -hmm. my teammate. He was doing ADCC. So everybody would come at 1 p.m. to to do the, you know, the, the training. And I would already go like 12 o'clock, you know, four times a week to train with uh, my coach, Kyle, uh, you know, from, from AKA. He's a very good wrestler. And I would do one hour wrestling. And then by the time everybody was there, I was already drenched mm. sweat from wrestling, just yeah. one hour wrestling with him. You know, so uh, Kyle Driscoll, by the way, that's his name. Mm. And uh, we would work on like all sort of drills, you know, like specific situations, especially like more of the wrestling for like ADCC rules, you mm. know. So I would do another two hours of training. So that was three hours in a row. <laughs> one hour of wrestling, two hours of comp class. And then I would be so tired. I would yeah. go eat, uh, maybe get like a 40 minutes, one hour nap, you know, try to hydrate because I knew the conditioning was coming and it was Oof, not going to be easy. That is brutal. Yeah. And every, every day, you I mean, wrestling, wrestling was like three to four times a week, Yeah. but competition class for jiu-jitsu every day. Jiu-jitsu every day. And then how much of the strength and then conditioning? conditioning, like also like maybe like four other, times a week. Every other day. Yeah. yeah every like other day. Yeah. Wow. That's a hell of a schedule, dude. Yeah. That is a hell. So, I mean, you're doing the thing that a lot of people in BJ don't want to do, which is like that ruthless conditioning. Yeah. And you can see it in your matches. I mean, your wrestling was on point. I mean, I think your wrestling skills are probably what won you the ADCC. I mean, you, your conditioning, your fit, you were strong, explosive yeah. all the way to the end. I was just watching your match with, uh, with Nick Margali. I mean, yeah. dude, that was a hell of a match. I mean, yeah, that was a tough match. Yeah, me. you could tell it was yeah. grueling. It looked like yeah, a yeah. grueling match. And so you really prioritize a lot of the, the conditioning. Um, what do you, uh, what is uh, Kyle have you doing in terms of like the ratio of specific training to live rolling? So, you know, I'm very fortunate to train with Kyle. I think like that was a perfect fit for, for AD, especially for ADCC camps. Like I feel like big part of my success at ADCC was having Kyle on my corner I mean, and so on my technical. camp. He's so very technical. Very technical, but he also demands a lot from us, you know? Like, yeah. doesn't put up with when you're shit. tired, yeah, no, when you're tired, he keeps on, you know, like, he's like, you gotta keep on going, you gotta keep on going. You know, like, I think sometimes, like, uh, maybe two or three times in the whole camp, he will select a random day and he will have us go, like, 45, 50 minutes nonstop with different people, fresh people coming coming fresh jumping on us and we have to just keep on switching non-stop for 45 50 minutes because that's live rolling or like specific live rolling, live rolling because because in adcc your match can go up, in the final can go up to 40 minutes that's crazy yeah so you want to make sure that we're you know if it goes if it comes down to that we're ready you know so he would go like and put like fresh black belts you know like five minutes one guy okay you leave other guy go right away and like we're dying over there, you know, it's like summer in California, we're sweating, I'm melting and, <laughs> you know, it, it's like just keeps getting harder because these guys are high level grapplers, they're coming fresh and they're, you know, they're giving their best there and like we're already depleted 25, 30 minutes training and you can't break, you know, mentally you have to be strong and, and I think like the training sessions with Kyle really like a, a big uh, factor, you know, like... For, for me to be the champion at ADCC, you know, like he really pushes us to the limit and he makes us believe that we can do it while we're in practice. We're like, man, you know, like it's not going to be harder 
in when we go to competition, it can be harder than it is here. You know, yeah. it can be the same, but it can be harder. Like yeah, nothing's harder than the training. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? So I think like having that uh, that kind of training gives you gives you the confidence when you step into compete. You're like, you know, whatever happens, I'm ready. You know, so that's when when I go to ADCC, that's how I want to feel because, like I said, the matches are, are very long. Uh, best grapplers in the world and that's the tournament that they will train the hardest for sure so yeah, definitely they will be the in the best shape that they can be so you know you got to make sure you're you ready when you go there you can't go there and be like oh man i wish i would have like trained a little bit harder or i would have done a little bit more of g's or that so that can't exist in your mind you have to go there and you have to know 100 percent you've done your best you know so what do you think in terms of the, uh, the, like the, how much specific training, this is always the question that I always have with other coaches and stuff. And of course you, you, you coach a lot yourself and of course you've been coached. What, what, what do you think is the r proper ratio for like how much time as a student you should spend doing specific training when you, as part of your sparring versus how much you should do like live rolling? So like because I know like training. the Danaher guys, they do a lot of specific training. Yeah, we do a like lot. They'll of do specific like eighty percent specific yeah, yeah. training, right? And they'll yeah. do like maybe twenty percent rolling. So at Kyle, we do like sometimes thirty minutes, sometimes one hour of drilling, just drilling, drilling. drilling. Three minutes, three minutes. Yeah, like you let us in that competition class, you let us do whatever we want, and then we'll take like sometimes additional practice and where you know the coach will be teaching a technique and we have to drill that technique and stuff like that but for competition class three minutes one person drill whatever he wants the other person drill three minutes and you keep on going for 30 minutes to one hour and then you go for maybe another 30 minutes of specific training oh that's great and another 30 minutes of rolling so sometimes you know depends maybe sometimes just 15 20 minutes specific training and 40 minutes rolling you know so usually it goes like that and then in the end sometimes we still do some sit up some physical stuff you know so yeah. it's like the full package you know yeah. well i think the craziest thing about you and you and uh kayo being like you know locked up together as trainer and trainer and student is that he's so technical and when you get a fucking gorilla like you learning jujitsu from a guy as, as technical as as kayo Terra, right i mean he's so technical he's small everything he does is deliberate yep and then when you get a guy like you who's like the freak athletic athlete who puts in the work with the specific or with the uh, conditioning as well. And you got a monster because you have the technique of somebody like him and then the physicality of yeah, somebody yeah. like you, especially that puts in all of that work with the strength and conditioning because that is brutal too. Like adding yeah. that on top of everything is not fun. Yeah. And I think like a lot of people get it wrong. Like they see him as a small guy and they're like, what are you doing with a guy that's so small and stuff? A lot of people don't know, but Kyle spent a fair amount of time of his career competing absolute yeah divisions. he did he and won he a lot, beat of a lot of, and he won a lot of the absolutes against some very good uh, black belts so he's a <clears throat> student of the art you know that's why he's so good he's always studying matches and you know different uh opponents like he say i'll compete adcc he'll know everybody from my bracket and what i have to do to beat each guy with my game he'll tell me Okay, with this guy, you just got to avoid these and these and these, and you got to do... Because he a knows your game. As he knows as anybody, my game, right? He knows, like, you know, like, I'm not just, like, a one-dimension guy. He knows I can adapt and do certain things depending on my opponent. So he would tell me, oh, this guy, you're going to choose this route. You're going to avoid these and these, and you're going to do more of these and that, you know? With that guy, you're going to do the total opposite, you know? Now you have to maybe hand fight, wrestle a little bit more, and then when he goes to the ground, you just got to be careful with these and that. 
So he's very objective. He doesn't make it so complicated. Um, and then he's been on my corner for so long. So obviously I trust him. Or like, you know, I can I can hear his voice. How long have you guys been together? Uh, I've been with Kyle for 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, 10 years. So, you know, he's he's coached me through World Championship, Nogi Worlds, Pan Ams, European, ADCC, like you name it. You know, he's been in my corner through through all those tournaments and I'm very grateful and I feel very blessed to have someone like him in my corner and like you know it really helped me out and he, he's like and like I said people don't know like they just judge him by his size but he he is like a student of the art he can pick up anybody from from any weight and he'll like study that guy and he'll break down their game and he'll give you like geez what you got to do Oh, he's you a know? legend. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. A, he's a jiu-jitsu legend. I don't think yeah. there's any any debate in that at all. No, for I sure. Because not, and then it goes even beyond. I mean, his own personal accomplishments as a competitor, he's a legend. And then he's already produced so many world champion students. Yes. Which is a true legend, right? Then you're like, you've done it yourself, and then you've passed it on to the yes. next generation. And he's still doing it, right? I mean, he's still doing it. Yeah, and that's the thing too. He competed to in a high level, so that that's another thing too. I think that's great. He knows what it takes. To be there, he knows how hard you have to train because he's done that himself, you know, so many times, so many years. So, what uh, if you don't mind, I'll switch gears a little bit because I'd love yeah. to like hear you kind of walk us through the, your last run at ADCC, which was just a crazy run. I mean, uh, what was that like? What was the experience of going through the tournament, knowing the guys that you're going to compete? And then uh, at the end, I'll have to ask you about the Gordon-Ryan Ryan match because that is just going to be one of the... I mean, that is going to be the most hotly anticipated match over the next year, year and a half. Yep. So, uh, I mean, you, you just won the absolute, so that means that you will have the super fight with Gordon, presumably, next, was it next year now? Next year. Next yeah. year. Um, so what was it like, man? This is your third championship, your third ADCC gold medal uh, in three different weight classes. Was the goal at some point like I got to get the absolute? Is that why? Um, I mean, what, what was the plan here? Because you went three different weight classes. Yeah. So what what was the goal in your mind? So this is going to be a funny story because actually I had no intent to fight absolute for the, uh, in this last edition. Really, really. Um, I was really focused on winning the ninety nine kilos. Um, so the edition before that, 2019, I went for my third weight class, which was 99 plus. Mm. And I felt like one of like I wanted the third weight class, a different title on a, on a different division. And I think one of my mistakes was I was trying to get too heavy and I lost my characteristics as a grappler, you know? Mm. Well, you're trying to bulk, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. And I just, I felt like I was a bit sluggish from that, you know, maybe a little slow. Uh, and I, I lost my explosiveness, all my my main attributes as a grappler. And for GZ, I was like, no, I'm just going to do 99 kilos because I think that's a perfect weight class. I wasn't like, <clears throat> I wasn't completely not considering the absolute, but it, it wasn't on my mind as the main thing. You know, I really wanted to win my weight class. Had you even planned on going entering it at all? <clears throat> I mean, I, I was considering the possibility mm. of doing that, but you never know, you know, you never know if you're going to be hurt. Yeah. You know, if you're going to be just too fatigued the next day or from from your weight class, you know, like sometimes when you go to the final of your weight, absolute can be like 20 minutes after. So, you know, like the first time that I won ADCC, it was something like that. I think like, you know, one hour, maybe just one hour after I was done, I was competing the absolute already. You know, it was like 
a long you know campaign for for my title so you can be too fatigued to compete so i was just not like i was just not putting that as a priority in my yeah. mind i was like let's just go with the flow my goal is to win the the, the weight class so i don't know if you watched the weight class i had my first match against that it was luke something the guy from donna hair yeah big luke griffin big right? tall guy yeah mm -hmm. luke griffin yes very tough uh kid you know like he started very aggressive uh and I was able to win. I think that like they should have gave me the score for the back take at some point there. Mm -hmm. I, I got his back, but they didn't give me it. But anyway, I, I won the match. I went against Nicolas Mirigal the second match. I don't know if you watched that match, but yeah, I, watched both I had a lot of people saying that I, they thought I won. It was close, dude. Yeah, and I, I feel like from from everything that happened on that match, I put him I put him on his ass two times on the mat. You know, I came close to the takedown two times. I was the one taking the center of the the mat and uh, of the mats, and uh, he pulled guard. I was always looking. I was aggressive on top, so I really don't know. Did he pull guard in the absolute too? He got a negative point for pulling guard. Yes, in twice. Twice, yeah. Yeah, um, but I don't know how. What was the criteria to to determine he won that uh, the match? But then after the match, I was very frustrated because man, I was like, I worked my ass off to be here. I. 100% feel like I should have won that match and I was like and and I was like frustrated because I know in an event like ADCC you're going to fight people like Merigali which is very high level grapplers and it's going to be on the details you know and yeah. then if the judges are going to be biased I was like I was like screw that I'm not going to do that anymore I'm not going to do ADCC so I went out uh, on that night. I was like, I'm not. I'm never gonna do ADCC again. I told really? my parents after your division. <laughs> yeah, as I was like, I'm not gonna do ADCC anymore. You know, screw that. I was super upset, and you know, I had a lot of people like people that were not from my team, people that I would barely see, like coming to me and like pe relevant people from grappling world, telling me, no, you should have won 100. That just made me more frustrated. I was like, yeah, you know, there, there's no coming back to that. You know, like now it's only two years from now. Yeah. I don't even know if I want to do go through all of that, and then you go in a tough match again. You lose in a detail. It's like I don't know. And so, then you so then, see him in yeah, the yeah, finals yeah. of the yeah, absolute. Yeah. So, what were you thinking, dude? Here he yeah, is again. Yeah. Right? So I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. <laughs> yeah. So so I went out and I was like, man, you know, my coach is like, you have to fight tomorrow. My parents are like, you have to do it. I was like, nah, I'm not doing it. I was in the strip in Vegas, 3 a.m. <laughs> And people were taking photos of me. They're wow. probably like the next really? day. They're like, oh, that is the hilarious. They're like, what the hell is this guy doing competing? I saw him 3 a.m. at night, you know? That is so funny. <laughs> Man, I literally like, I've done everything that I shouldn't have done a day before a tournament besides drinking alcohol. Like everything that you should not do, you know? Because I was really 100% sure I wasn't competing in the absolute. Yeah. So the next day, I wake up. My body is all destroyed. We had this guy from from uh, the trains in our team, Kiro. He was a former MMA fighter, super cool dude. He was working on my back because my back was destroyed. He's like, I'm getting a massage. And then Kyle calls me. He's like, two, two hours from now is the absolute. That's the deadline. Now I have to put your name. Do it. Do it. You have to do it. You train hard. But, bro, like, <laughs> I was like... Uh, now I don't know if I should do it, you know, like I was up <laughs> too late last night and I was like, yeah. I was like, you know, fuck that. Did just you tell him that? Name. I was like, yeah, I was like, fuck that. Just put my name in the, in the absolute, I'll fight absolute. That was literally like two hours before the event started. The wow. absolute started. That is crazy. So I go there, I'm in the bullpen and I'm looking at the, 
everybody warming up and like a movie goes in my head. I'm like, man, this is my fourth ADCC. I, I was like, for sure, this is, is going to be my last ADCC. I don't want to go through that training anymore. Like, you know, like I, people train their whole life to win one title. At that point, I was already two-time champion, you know, and I was like, this is it. You know, I called my dad. I was like, man, dad, this is it. You know, this is going to be my last time competing, you know. Uh, it was like an emotional moment for me, you know, like, and I was like, um, you know, like I, I asked uh, Nick, one guy from our team, uh, you know, a very good friend of mine. I was like, Nick, get me a black belt. And uh, I'm going to, you know, if I lose a match, I'm going to put the black belt on the on the mat wow. and I'm going to retire. Really? You were that yeah, set like, on it? Yeah, yeah. I was like that. And he put a black belt and he brought, he brought a black belt. I was like, put three stripes on it. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to put a good belt down. <laughs> it's got to be the man. right belt. Let's be clear about this. Yeah. So, so I take the belt every match. You know, and, and I told Kyle, don't tell me who I'm fighting until, like, don't tell me the whole brackets. Like, just tell me one guy, one by, you know, one uh, one at a time. You didn't want to see who was doing no. all the stuff on the other side of the yeah, bracket Yeah, I just wanted anything. to focus on the next guy each yeah. time, you know. So, first one was Lachlan. You yeah. know, I beat him, brought the black belt. Second one, he's, you know, Mason came and he's like, you wanted the wrestling match? You're going to have a wrestling match? You're going to go with Nick Rod? I bring the black belt there, beat him, then Cyborg. Then I had the re the revenge against Miragali in the final, you know. What was your mentality right before you were about to walk on the mat there? Dude? I was like, I'm not losing for this guy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what it takes. I am not losing this match. Uh, it was probably like the toughest match of my life. It was time. grueling. I was literally just watching it right before. Yeah, it was, it was very intense. I remember like looking at the clock three minutes to end. I knew he was tired, but he's like one of those guys that like I, I can sense when I'm breaking my opponent and like when he's like slowing down and I could never sense that from him. He was always keeping that same pace and I was very well prepared, you know, and I, I was like, it's a good thing that I work with Aiton for this tournament because the conditioning, especially for the last match, my conditioning was uh, very important, you know, so I remember like looking, it was like three or four minutes to end. I was like far out, man. I'm like, I was like, I'm like drained. And I remember the condition. I was like, okay, all I have to do, just keep jumping, keep on trying to pass his guard, just like, you know, keep giving my best. Because they were very quick. If you watch the match with uh, Kaina versus Craig, they gave mm. him like eight penalties. They yeah, were, they did. That was like the most I've ever seen. Yeah. It was that like was Kaina weird. was fighting his, himself, you know, like, yeah. you know, was fighting against himself. So I was like, man, I can't slow down. I have to keep on going. The officials were giving out. We're, we're giving out penalties way quicker this year than way any, other, any yeah. other ADCC I've ever seen. Yeah, I agree with you. And I was like, I can't stop, you know. I have to just keep on going. I'm just jumping, jumping, boom, boom, no stopping. And then, you know, I look, it was like 40 seconds. And then I look his face and he was finally like, just, yeah. I was like, fuck, I'm ADCC <laughs> yes. absolute champion. Yeah. yeah, nice. So it was pretty surreal, man, you know, because it was the greatest title I've ever won. And even like, and it was the best ADCC ever. Yes. The whole thing, the whole experience, the, the way it looks when it's yep. recorded, the whole experience, like, it looked like a proper, like, show. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, they, some of the old ones used to just look like, oh, jiu-jitsu yeah, competitions, like, like you would see. I think it was, like, 13,000 yeah, like people there yeah, watching. Like, there was, like, celebrities there and shit. Like, the production quality looked yeah. amazing. You won the big, it was, like, the most popular one ever. Yeah, and it was a rematch of a guy who beat you earlier in the division. I mean. It was perfect. That's man. as poetic as it gets, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think like, I think that the fact that I was so convinced that I wasn't gonna fight the absolute 
allowed me to sleep in a relaxed way. I wasn't like so tense. It freed your mind. It helped me. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting because you didn't have the stress of it in front of you. You could just like take a breath, Mm -hmm. get it out of your head for a minute. Mm-hmm. party that night whatever <laughs> yeah and then wake up the next day and you're just like fuck it let's you know <laughs> i agree yeah man um it was surreal to to win that title and like even like if you rewind like two years before that or three years before that on the previous adcc i tore my acl mcl and meniscus fully so a lot of people were counting me out you know like a lot of a lot of athletes they retire from you know like one of those left. things. Yeah, Not yeah. three yeah, yeah, just one exactly. of them doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, 100%. So it was it was great to come back from, from such a big injury, you know, and, you know, to win the greatest title of my life. You know, it was like really like there's no words to describe it. And then after I was like, that's okay, I guess I'm not retiring anytime soon. <laughs> I mean, that's the pinnacle of our sport. I mean, yeah, if yeah. you're a no-gi grappler, the ADCC absolute title is 100% like the, you're like the heavyweight champion of, of yeah. professional grappling. I mean, yep. You know. And I think like there was a feeling in the end, you know, I told you about the, you know, bringing my, my belt and being ready to retire from ADCC and stuff. And I feel like winning that, it was like God, the universe, whatever you call it, telling me you're not you're not going to retire anytime soon like i was like i can i still have a lot of wood to burn you know how old are you now i'm 32 32 yeah you're still you're still good to go bro yeah you still got a couple more in you hey (laughs) come on man i feel like it yeah 38 then everything starts breaking (laughs) that's my experience (laughs) yep so i got a couple years yeah you're good you're good so then what, I mean, there, there is, of course, the, the elephant in the room, right? You, you would, it's tradition that whoever wins the absolute does the super fight for whoever won it the year before. And, of course, Gordon Ryan won it uh, the last year. And you guys have had several matches together. I mean, I'm curious, w- would that be like the one? Like, you are, of course, you already won your absolute championship. But, of course, beating Gordon Ryan has got to be. Yeah. That has got to be just what every person in the world who does a sport would like to do, right? Um, you guys have had a few matches together. I mean, what, what, how do you approach this problem? Because you, you, you train with them. You've had really close matches with them. Like, what do you, I don't know. How do you approach him? Because he probably will be the biggest. Obviously, if he's in the match and you're a three-time cha- three-division champion, he's a three-division champion also, is, I believe, right? Yes. Uh, I think he won. Wait. Two weight class, two different weight. Cl- oh no, this year, last year he became three division champion, yeah. absolute champion, and he won one super fight. So he's ahead. But he he's has one of the three few guys gold that's ahead of me on the on the uh, title. He has four. Is it? He has four plus the super fight. Plus the super fight. So right. probably five. Yeah. So you'll be in the next super fight. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's going to be crazy. I mean, what do you what, what do you think about that? I mean, how high do you put this in your? Uh, would you put that in your accomplishment list? Man, I'm just very excited and motivated for that match, you know? It's, it, you said this ADCC was the biggest one. The next one will be twice as big. So that on its own is super, like, motivating for me as a grappler to be in that position. You know, like, I think for a- anybody that um, does jiu-jitsu and, you know, especially in a professional level, people want to be at AD- ADCC. So yeah. I had Especially to, the super fight. I mean, that's... Yeah, so, um, yes, exactly. So I'm very grateful to have been through several ADCCs, to have one, you know, the absolute, the two other weight class, and now to be in a position where I can fight, you know, super fight, and I can fight against the guy that is doing the best right now. So I think Gordon has proven himself to be the, the number one guy right now. So 
beating him, you know, like I have uh, an extreme amount of uh, motivation, uh, many, many factors that motivate me to wanted to beat him. Um, I fought him four times. If you look for the results, I didn't win. But if you look at my last match with him, I personally think I should have won by one advantage. It was very close. Uh, he got a uh, one advantage for him. In he the got, he won only by advantage. He won by one advantage, which I personally don't think it was an advantage. And I think I should have scored an advantage from getting on north-south chest-to-chest in the end. Because the rules say on IBJJF, if you pass the line of the legs for less than three seconds, you get an advantage. It doesn't say if it's one millisecond. If it's, yeah. That's what it says. So I think I, I should have won by one advantage. But regardless, it was a very close match. But I personally think like... On that match, I figured out the pace that I have to to fight to to beat him, you know? And I feel like if I can put my whole camp around, you know, that game plan, obviously he's a different grappler, but so am I from that last yeah, fight, for time sure. we fought. And uh, if I can put my camp around that uh, mindset, around the that game plan from the last match, you know, like... I fought so many DCCs, and you know, I was telling you, you train so hard and stuff, but you don't know who you're gonna fight against. Yeah, you have you know a handful of great grapplers, but you know, you could go with this guy or with that guy. So the difference now is I have a full camp to prepare for one opponent, and you know, I'm very motivated to beat that guy. Um, you know, and and to win that super fight. You know, there's so many factors like the the fact that it's gonna be the biggest event ever, the fact that there's going to be the biggest prize I've ever fought for in grappling. Uh, you know, the fact that it's Gordon Ryan that I'm fighting against. So in my first, my first ADCC super match. So there are so many, you know, things that, uh, that I can look for to, to, to fight, you know, to step there and to get that win on that match. So I'm going to prepare extremely hard for that. I'm going to train very smart and I'm going to make sure that I come more prepared than I've ever showed up to any tournament, you know? So uh, Gordon is a guy with very few gaps on his game. He's uh, very flawless w when he fights. You know, there's not many things that you can see. Oh, yeah, that's the way to beat him. Like, you know, 100%, that's how you got to beat him. It's very, there's not many gaps on his game, right? So I have to make sure that I create those gaps myself, you know, and I have to be very prepared physically, technically, uh, and I will be, you know. One thing about me is like, when I go to fight something that really matters to me, I I always show up a hundred percent prepared, and you know I I can give my best you know easily on on situations like that, and I'm ready for it. You know, like mentally, I'm already ready for it, and I just need to start my camp and put all the work that I know I have to do. Just do the work I have to do, man. I know it's gonna suck every single day of preparation, but. I'm going to do it with a smile because it's going to be the biggest victory of my life. Yeah, I mean, you're all, well, you're already one of the greats of our sport. But if you beat Gordon Ryan in the ADCC Super Fight, you're in like a all-time great comp with as many medals as you've already won. That puts you into like all-time great type of conversation just cuz Gordon's been on such a streak lately. But man, that is going to be such a crazy fight. Does it does his shit talking annoy you? Do you any of this No, I think, this? I think his shit talking is actually if you have an open mind, if you if you look at the bigger pictures, he's done great great things for the sport. He brought yeah. a lot of uh, viewership to grappling, you know, like, and man, he's getting paid with his shit talk. So how can you judge that, you know? Like, I think maybe sometimes he goes too far, mm. 
on what he says and stuff, but he's never done that with me. So personally, I don't have anything to say. I have no hate towards him. I think like, you know, like a lot of us grapplers, we have to, in a way, we have to be grateful for the attention he brought to the sport, you know? So to be in a fight against the, that kind of guy that brings that kind of attention, it's, I think it's a great thing for me, you know? Yeah, it's good. That's I, how I look at it. I like it too. A lot of people get annoyed by it, but I, I just like view it as entertainment only. Mm -hmm. You know, when he's trolling and just talking shit, I'm like, oh, this is just like WWE. Yeah. Right? It's just entertainment. He, he at the stage where I think like, everybody's going to be cheering for you <laughs> because he's he's got himself to that stage as well where Pete, he's like Ric Flair, he's like Mayweather, that yeah. people now want to pay to see him lose. Yeah, people like, That's it. So you're like, yeah, great, this is fantastic. Like, make money. In a way, it takes a lot of the pressure out, right? But but me, man, uh, knowing myself, I, I, every time I go, I put a lot of pressure on myself no matter <laughs> the situation, you know? So there's definitely going to be pressure from my own self on me, so... But I, but you're right, you know. Like I think that he's in a position that a lot of people now want to see. Like, what if, what if he goes there and he loses? You know, like you know that would look interesting, right? Like I think people are paying for that, uh, uh, for their chance, you know, to see him like maybe getting his one loss in a long time. Yeah. So yeah, I want to be that guy. Yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. I mean, I don't know Gordon Ryan personally, but I'm cheering for you, dude. Let's fucking go. Thank you. Let's Thank fucking you. go, bro. You're gonna have, go. Yeah. So all of Brazil behind Let's you, go. now all of Singapore. You know, you're doing well. You've got two countries behind yeah. you there. It's good. It's good. Well, Singapore is definitely going to be behind you, bro. Singapore is definitely going to be behind yeah. you. Yeah. I appreciate the love. <laughs> I, I just think it's crazy that, you, uh, that you're in Singapore, man. I mean, it's so fun to be like, I can't believe I live five minutes away from where you work. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of wild, right? Yep. And you said, so you're going to be in Bangkok for, what, what's your like schedule coming up? Because you're probably doing some seminars and... I've, I just you know. got done with a lot of seminars. I was in Australia for four weekends in a row. And then I went to the US. I, thought, I did some seminar there. I, I had to do some paperwork stuff uh, related to my green card there. And then I got back. Um, I, was, I was also teaching the Maldives. You know, I'm sponsored by the Hard Rock Maldives. A uh, big shout out to the Red Mats Maldives. You know, I didn't know there was a school in the Maldives. Yeah, it's the only school. hard rock in the world that they got a mat uh, on. So, you know, there's a great friend of mine there, Toga. He's the one who, he, you know, he's the head of the uh, resort there. And he got me uh, the sponsor. So, you know, any, every time that I have a, uh, some free time and stuff, I go there. And then I teach there as well. You know, they have classes there every day. So, you know, I've done that. And then now I think I'm just... Doing a seminar in Bangkok, um, I think it's in the last weekend of May. It's not confirmed yet, so there's no no. I can't give it a date, but I think it's gonna be probably on the last weekend of May if it gets confirmed. And then hopefully I'll get a super match. I also cannot sit talk about it, but in a very big event I'll get a, a super match in June, maybe July, maybe June against. A very big name as well. Tell me that. after the podcast, yes. yeah, yeah. bro. Off it, off it. Tell <laughs> me <laughs> after the podcast. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then Luke will tell everyone on the podcast next time he's drunk. By mistake. No, I will not. <laughs> I am good at keeping secrets, Yuri. Don't listen to anything right, that this right. motherfucker's saying over here. <laughs> I'll get you to sign a contract. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's your plan then? Are you like gonna? Are you like based in Singapore and you're just gonna pop around? You're still gonna go over to LA and just do seminars and this is going to kind of be your hub? I yes, mean, exactly. Yeah, so I came here to Singapore. Uh, now I, I feel like it's a transition in my life. Like I still want to compete a lot. I still 
want to do MMA. I want to do. I want to have all these like personal projects. You know, as far as my athlete career goes, but I also want to start building a team. I, I want to start having. You know, my athletes, my fighters, people that I train and I go there as a coach and I, I want to help these people succeed, you know. And I feel like maybe Asia doesn't have that yet, doesn't have that team that is focused on, you know, building champions and on, you know, taking it to the next level. So, you know, I, I saw it as an opportunity. Like I was in California for 11 years and I was another world champion, another ADCC champion there, just one, one more guy there. And like here... If you look at the whole continent in Asia and Oceania, I don't think that there's a lot of people with micronations in grappling. I know, like, no, being so a much potential, so yeah. much potential in Asia. And I, I know, like, being a competitor and being a coach are two separate things, but I also, you know, a lot of people don't know, but I taught at the headquarters of my team for like eight years. I've been teaching for a long time. I do enjoy teaching. You know, I see a lot of joy in like helping people out, whether it's like, you know, like I'm saying, as a comp helping a competitor to go there and, and win a big title, but also like someone that maybe just comes to the gym overweight, they just want to get in shape, or someone that suffers from bullying and wants to learn how to defend himself. And then you see that person, you know, getting in shape or, you know, getting his confidence up and changing his life. I think that's something, I'm, you know, something to be said about that, you know. And um, I think that's, that's where I'm at in my life now. Like I have... The Yuri, the competitor Yuri side, where like I still have all these goals that I want to achieve, you know, I don't feel the pressure like oh I have to prove something to somebody. I don't have that anymore. Like for a long time I had that, but now I feel like I won, you know, the greatest titles in the sport. So, and I did it over and over. So now it's more like a personal challenge. Like mm. now I want I want to win the super fight because I want to win the super fight. I want to be I want to be the one guy that beats Gordon Ryan but that's all like there's no outside pressure from there you know just me putting a lot demanding a lot for myself how it always was but I also have this side now you know that I want to build a team you know I want to I want to uh, build champions you know and I want to be there with them and help them hopefully win their ADCC titles and their world titles as well. Well, I think your presence here for Nogi in particular is going to be absolutely amazing because Singapore's got a really good jiu-jitsu culture, but it's like 85% gi, right? Like, I don't know if you've been to Evolve or any of the other uh, FAMA or any of the other uh, big sort of beach J gyms that have like the most probably students. Uh, it's very, very gi heavy. Yeah. So we do a lot of Nogi at Stronghold at my gym because I'm a Nogi. I mean, I, I'm an MMA fighter, right? That's my mm -hmm. thing. But I still trained in the gi. I was like GF team for a while, and then now I'm with Nick. But I've always done gi and no gi, but I prefer no gi. And then I know Matrix, Major, he's one of my friends. He's a black belt here too, American guy. Mm -hmm. He does no gi. And then Shinya yeah. does yeah. mostly no gi. I think we're the Shinya only schools. Mujig's a bit of a mix. And, uh, Mujig, Mujig yeah, does yeah. both. He does gi and no gi. Um, so I think we're the only schools that like prioritize no gi even half. Right? Most of them, it's like 85% gi and then... Maybe like a, they put a one or two nogi classes on the schedule a week or something like that. Mm -hmm. So having you here for the actual nogi scene is just going to be amazing because it seems to me that nogi is just getting more and more and more and more and more popular over the years. Ten years ago in Singapore, it was all gi. There was yeah. like zero nogi classes. Yeah, I think like it's. I think maybe all around the world is still more gi heavy, but like I think nogi is starting to take over. You know, like with all these. ADCC now, like you also see now two different crews, right? 
as a, a, a in the competitor level. Like before, the same guys that win worlds as the same guys that win ADCC now, yeah. two different groups. So I think like it's growing everywhere, you know, in the world. Like the nogi is starting to take over, and I'm happy to to be a part of that change in Singapore. You know, like of that shift. I also do teach in the gi. I want to make that clear. I teach class in the gi every day. Uh, I love to train in the gi as well. I think like uh, that's my that's my first passion. You know, I I started training jiu-jitsu in the gi and uh, uh, won worlds in every belt level in the gi besides black belt. That I got third twice in the worlds. But a lot of people don't know that because like I feel like my no gi titles overshadow my my gi titles. But um, I do teach in the gi, but I, lately I have not been training. Maybe in the last four years, heavily in the gi. You know, um, so, so you teach in the gi, but then your personal training, you mostly do no gi. Mostly no gi. I, I mean, I, I roll in the gi every here and there with my students. Yeah, but uh, I prefer to focus my training on the no gi because all my uh, next tournaments, my professional matches are in no gi. You know, like I said, I, I, I tend to, I want to come back to MMA. So. Oh, you do want to come back to MMA? Yeah, yeah. I oh, do. okay. Finish Hopefully, that, easier. Yeah. Finish this thought, and then I want to go back to that thought because <laughs> yeah. I'm MMA hardcore. Fan, yeah. So, so I think that's a little bit more re- relatable to MMA. Mm-hmm. No gi is than, than yes. The gi, now it's like there's the no gi people and the MMA people, and they're kind of like flirting around over here, and like the combat people, the combat jiu jitsu yeah, people, yeah. and then there's like the hardcore gi specialist people that are like. You know, tying the worm game, worm guard, bowling no. you, and fucking <laughs> all that stuff. Sometimes I see some of the gi guys, and I literally don't even think that we're doing the same sport. Yeah, it's very different. Though. I mean, they'll tie you fucking up and <laughs> yeah, upside yeah, yeah, down yeah. on your head, and I'm like literally up there, inverted constantly, <laughs> pulling down your ass crack and tying your <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. tying your gi. I'm looking at it; it's super effective. I've rolled with some of those guys, so trust me, I'm not saying that that is not effective in the gi. Just a different sport. It just like looks so different. Like when yeah. you watch ADCC, you're seeing like really strong fundamentals. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing fancy. There's nothing super flashy. It's like, even the flashy stuff is traditional shit. Like when Cade armbarred yep. uh, Lachlan Giles. Yeah, right? yeah, Because yeah. Lachlan's upside down. He flew into that. But it's still a super fundamental move, right? Yeah. Because then you look at some of the black belt world championship matches and, I'm, and the grip fighting and the tie-ups and all of this stuff. I'm just like, whoa. Yeah. It's a totally different meta to what it was. 100%. Like 10 years ago. Yeah, I think, yeah, my last Worlds that I competed on was 2018. And, man, he's already... It changed so much from 2018 to now, so it is like four or five years. So it's uh, it's definitely taking a different route. Like it's going like that now, you know, and it, it's exciting. I think like um, especially I think like for the nogi uh, part, I think like people would always just look at nogi and they would they would automatically associate it with the gi because it was the same crew, like I said. Yeah. But now it's like. The techniques are different, you know, the the dynamic of the matches are different, you know. There are more rule sets around Nogi as well. They're like EBI, there are all these other tournaments on the side, not just ADC, but so I think that's good for the sport, you know. And I think Gi is always gonna be Gi. Uh, you know, people are always gonna do always gonna compete in the Gi as well. So it's not like, oh, you know, it's just taking no gi is taking over, it's taking, you know, like all the attention. I think like Nogi is getting more attention now, you know, but Gi always had, you know, like 
a lot of attention. So it's just he even had all it the out. Yeah, it just even it out in my eyes. Nogi only came started becoming popular like maybe ten years ago or something. Like, like the EBI's the yeah. really the kicked it off. Took it to the, like yeah. the yeah. next level. Yeah, then people really started getting interested in it. <clears throat> um, it's fascinating how much jujitsu's changed over the last like fifteen or twenty years. I mean, it is so systematic now. Mm-hmm. Everything that you see, like the quality of the role, I, I, I really think that like my blue belt, purple belts now would like probably destroy me as like a brown belt like 10 years ago. Yeah, it's I think is like, it's a normal thing. It evolves, right? So now it's probably like same thing if you compare you as a purple belt 10 years or how however long ago mm-hmm. you were a purple belt with someone that was a purple belt before you 10 years ago before you. It's always in a constant evolution. So yeah, I think it's always going to be the case, you know. And no gi is bad, a crazy evolution. Like it seems like the most recent revolution in the gi was like the worm guard stuff, the really sport-specific lapel ties and mm-hmm. the, the gripping has yeah. just become so systematic now, whether you're tying lapels around or bowling people or worm guard or whatever the case is. And then you see it a lot more in the nogi with like the both the wrestling, mm-hmm. like the uh, nogi specific wrestling, and then yeah. the the leg locking has just become so systematic now and so dangerous. And there's people that are so fucking good at it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, did I you, agree. Did you, did you watch the one yesterday? Yeah. The the what was the fight before the Haggerty fight? Oh yeah, there was the bike, the calf slicer, right? Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. You're talking about? But like people have people now know that that's coming. Where he had his leg up there, so people have worked on their flexibility because someone would attack to that three yeah. years ago because they wouldn't have been prepared for it and wouldn't have the flexibility to it. And now you're seeing people like wrenching people's legs over the head, and people yeah. are training so they've got flexibility not to tap to it. It's crazy. Yeah, they went. From, they went from. Uh, so there was the one Friday night Lumpini show was was on yesterday. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's I, I judged like the last one in Singapore, the big one, the, like the one on the Amazon Prime ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I also go to Bangkok and I do the Lumpini shows. And last night there was a guy who one one guy had him in a calf slicer, and then he got reversed and ended up in that Sue Live stretch. Do you know the where like you're you have somebody's back and then you like knee bar oh, yeah, 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 from, yeah, from yeah, over yeah, the yeah, top yeah, yeah. and I was like, I, like you almost never see that move and right the guy didn't tap didn't no. tap and then <laughs> just had, had the flexibility to deal with it you're like that's crazy but they both look pretty nasty but that's a weird submission what's your weirdest like submission every like jujitsu black belt has like one move that they do that's kind of weird that they're really good at <laughs> Man, do you have like an unconventional have to think setup or, or move? Man, I wish you had told me that before the podcast so I could start thinking about it because <laughs> it would take me some time. I'll give you mine and we'll see if it spurs you any ideas. I really like the, the Von Flu choke. Do you know the, the Von Flu choke? It's like the half guard choke. It's like the head and arm choke from the half guard, for example. You can do it from the side control where somebody like tries to get a guillotine on you, for example, and so their their head is here and you choke them oh, with the yeah, shoulder yeah, pressure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who, who is yeah, it that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's hit? It's not the Von Flu's choke anymore, uh, though. OSP. Yeah, I did. O- Ovin yeah. St. Prue in the UFC. He hits it on a lot of people. It's like a super weird move. Only a few people do it. But like I, f- I found that a lot. I can do it from like the half guard and I can do it from the side control. I don't even teach it. I don't know why. <laughs> But it's super effective. Yeah. Like it's a it's a strong choke. It's just a head and arm choke, right? Yeah. But I'll use it sometimes in the half guard to like, because you can feel the pressure, the choke start to come on, and it would just make people react really strongly and like yeah, push yeah. you away. And I'll use it to like. Man, every mount. week, like I think in training, there's like at least one or two subs that I that I do it, and I'm like, man, that was a weird sub. It just <laughs> like, you know, make it work somehow. But you know, I don't have a name for them or anything like that. It's yeah. just uh, sometimes like I, you know, like because I. In my class, I roll 
mainly with the ADCC rules, under ADCC rules. So you can do neck cranks and stuff. I tell them not to like, you know, literally crank someone's neck. Just go very controlled on those more dangerous submissions. So like there's some weird stuff that like with neck cranks and like some stuff like that. And sometimes yeah. I... I put people on and I'm like, oh, that's new, you know, like that's interesting. <laughs> You're just sitting there face cranking your white belts and they're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. But like, man, I've been training jiu-jitsu for, I don't know, like 25, 26 years. So I feel like nothing is really weird anymore to me. Like yeah, when it you've comes, seen it all. Yeah, I think so. Like, I mean, not at all. Like it would be arrogant for me to say that. You've but seen like, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> You've seen a lot. That's fair to say. I've seen a lot, yeah, for sure. So what's your favorite? I'm going to give you a couple of rapid fires, and you, you can take as long as you want to answer them. Favorite submission, if you had to pick? Gi or no gi? No gi. I think I saw no, on your rear profile. Rear naked choke. That's your number one? Yeah. Nice. I see or the, either that or either that or the katagatami choke. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Head and arm? Is, it, is that head and arm? Yeah, yeah. Head yeah. and arm. Yeah. Okay. What favorite guard to play? No gi. Uh, reverse de la Hiva. Reverse de la Hiva. Interesting. Yeah. Like knee shoot, half guard, reverse de la Hiva, those two. What about in the gi? The same. Same? Reverse de la Hiva? Yeah, the same. I grew up training on the Hikado Vieira. He was the coach who gave me the black belt. And that's the guard that he plays a lot. Very reverse light guy. Yeah. So... You know, I feel like I learned that guard from him. So, how do you not get foot locked when you play in reverse Del Hiva? This is my question because <laughs> I've been playing reverse. I've been foot locked too many times trying to play reverse Del Hiva. I, I leave you that just foot high up on yeah, the hip. Yeah, so you got to bam corkscrew toe hold the, or something. You mean the steamer lock? Or? Yeah, the steamer lock or like the corkscrew. You got to be hold. aware of it. I'd say like I can see someone going for it, like and then I'll just change the position on my foot. Do you if play you, it high on the hip or do you play it more toward like the the? Depends quad. if they're standing. I'll go higher on the hip if they're. If they're uh, on their knees, and I'll just sort of go like knee shoot, more like a reverse the lahiva, but mm. with the knee shoot. But I feel like if they're standing and your foot is on the outside, just gotta keep that foot next to the hip, you're not floating outside, so they can toe hold and stuff. Yeah, you just gotta be aware of it. I feel like you know, like I can see someone going for it, like before they go for it. And I'll just you can sense it. You have yeah. the sense for it. <laughs> I mean, like you can you can see you can see like they're turning or you know they're like looking to get your foot, and if you. You can't just stop with your foot there, you know. You just got to be aware of it, I feel like. What's your favorite guard pass? Or or position to guard pass from, maybe. I don't know. I like, like, double leg control or body lock. Mm. Either one. So body locking and then the, like, just like a double leg, but where I use, like, a sort of like a tripod mechanic. Mm. Like, I use my shoulder and lean my head on them. That's, like, one of my favorite passes. They call crash pass. So... I like to to use that a lot. You see me doing that a lot in, in my matches. Yeah, that, that's a great pass. I always find it hard on any of those passes though to actually get, like get to the head, get to the cross face. Yeah, because people I, frame the you shit out of you. Shouldn't get to the head. You should just try to like uh, establish control. First, make sure you don't go below their knees with your control, mm -hmm. and then earn the control on the hips. So you get get to the hip first. Get to the hips, and then they'll be pushing you, but they, they won't get anywhere with it. They'll be pushing you. As long as you're not trying to beat their frame, that's, I think, a mistake people do. They try to beat their frame, but their arm's already locked, extended there. So, you know, it, you will be wasting energy on top if you try to beat their frame. Just let them get tired. Because if you're already on the hips, where else are they going to push you? Their mm -hmm. arm's already extended. Now they're burning energy. So your, your suggestion there is to, like, wear them down. Just wait until they have to make an adjustment, and then you try to work your way up to, like, Wear the them face. down, or most times when they're 
overly pushing you, they will give you an underhook. They will give you an mm. opportunity for the underhook. Or you can go over the arms and eventually get to the head. But I I never, like, try to go right away for the head. I think, like, people lose a lot of side control because of that. Uh, when you go right away for the head, even if you do end up getting that neck control, the person has so much more energy to slide out to bench press you. So I, I like to wear them out, yes, a little bit. Because by the time I get to the head, they're already trained. So now, like, you don't... You, if they try to bench press you, they'll be a lot more tired. and Yeah. Yeah, so establishing control on the hips first, making sure that they're not going to, like... If you just leave their hip free, they'll bridge, they'll hip escape and mm -hmm. all of that. So I try to shut that down first. Then they're just mainly just, you know, bench pressing you. So if you if you raise the leg, it's hard to explain. I know exactly. What, no, I'm completely with but you. But if, like, if I'm... Say I, I'm, like, on low side control. I'm on their hips there. Yeah. And then bench pressing me. Yeah. I like to lift one of my legs and kind of put their legs on my lap. Like put their legs. Oh, on, you shelf on. them like in wrestling. You shelf yes, their legs. Yes, I shelf up them. Mm -hmm. And then when they push me, they push me against their own legs. Yeah, you can't do anything because so I can't. I can't go through their legs. They're gonna be yeah. wasting a lot of energy there, and they can no longer hip escape or bridge because their legs are not on the ground. Yeah. For you to do both, you need their, your feet on the ground. So you get drained real quick there, you know. So then from there, I start progressing with underhooks move into a higher side control. And then I usually don't even like hug the head. I prefer to double on the hook. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because now... They can turn. They, they cannot they can bench press you anymore. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they, then you can expose your back as well. Yeah. You can mount. So yeah. it's... You That's have a lot more options. When you do double underhooks, are you doing like a? Are you connecting your hands or? Are I you... can, but I can also just cup their the shoulders. Okay, you just yeah. like that. Yes, and yeah. I open my elbows out a little bit too. Those are interesting because those moves are just like super effective in nogi because like the double leg or this sort of grip you mentioned. It's just when you can connect your hands, it's so much better in nogi because you in gi you have so many ways that you can connect your close your hand yep. on any grip you can close your hand so you're stuck so much more tightly yeah but there's nothing in adcc or wrestling or in nogi that beats like connecting your hands Absolutely. around the body because just that grip is so rare yeah and nogi but it's so common in the gi yep there's so many grips that you can do nogi that people are i, I seen black belts like good level black because they're clueless because they're so dependent on the fabric, you know? Yeah. They start trying to grab the wrists and shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, no, 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 you should. <laughs> That's no, not going to work. You can't do that. No. That's not going to work, bro. <laughs> yeah. I think, like, Nogi gives you more uh, understanding of, like, body grip. Body grip. You really yeah. need to use your weight precisely. You can't rely on friction between the fabric. You can't rely on, you know, lapel and all of that. So you need to become really good at, like, knowing exactly where to grab, how to grab, and stuff like that. So... I think like training the no more in the nogi lately, you know, opened my mind for you know all these different grips that I was so clueless because I was just using the lapel, using the fabric so much, you know. Yeah, it's. A, I always say it's the difference is in the gi you're trying to control the or in, in the gi you're trying to control the clothes and in nogi you're trying to control the body. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, you, there's definitely some crossover skill there. That's what I was gonna say. I think like if you can have the mindset for nogi bring it to gi and using the fabric, you have a lot more like uh, better understanding of weight distribution for no gi, but if yeah. you add that with the fabric, 
yeah, I yeah. think you become dangerous. Oh know? yeah, that's a problem. You're not moving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're not moving if they know how to control your body like a noogie person and they have those grips. Yes. It's like, you're not going anywhere, dude. Settle 100%. down. Settle down. <laughs> All right, man. Well, let's, I know Jake's got to get out of here pretty soon. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your, your MMA career because I'm yeah. a huge MMA fan. Obviously, I work for one and, and you fought for one. Uh, of course, I know you have the ADCC super fight with Gordon Ryan looming. So, where, where are you prioritizing? Are you looking to get more fights? Are you kind so of I'm doing waiting both? on that one fight that it's not confirmed yet? If that doesn't happen, Puchacha. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know if that's <laughs> true. I don't know yeah, if that's yeah, true. Yeah. I'm just got <coughs> Puchacha. I just. I just. No, got definitely not Puchacha. <laughs> Puchacha is a great friend of mine. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, and and also like. Yeah, for me to to fight someone like a, a good friend like that, they would have to pay like okay. a money. I, did, that I didn't know he was your boy. <laughs> I'm just thinking as a, as a fanboy, what <laughs> I want to see, right? <laughs> it would be a great, it would be a great match, but yeah, no, not Bushisha. Um But if that doesn't happen, if that match doesn't happen, then I'll go straight to like try to set a date for my MMA fight, and I want to go to a small organization. I want to build my record. I think that's that's what I should have done. They threw me straight into the shark tank. Yeah. And, you know, man, like... Zero fights, right? Zero yeah, MMA I had fights. zero fights, started with one. Uh, I think my first opponent had, like, 14 or 15 victories and two losses. Mm. So, you know, plus a lot of amateur fights. So, I I mean, I regret nothing about it. I feel like looking at the bigger picture, like, because I want to continue MMA, it was a great thing. I see a lot of people like being so selective about their opponents. And then when they finally get yeah. someone that is a tough match, they break. It's yeah. just becoming overwhelming to them. So I, I'm glad, if anything, that I was able to start with, you know, tough, like a doggy sunny guy. Mm. And, and I feel like it was very like, uh, the, the results are very subjective, depending on the point of view, like what you're analyzing. You know, maybe you could like, first match, they, they were saying, oh, you know, here we don't judge by rounds, otherwise you would have won. And then yeah. the second match, there was no damage done on myself, but I almost broke the guy's arm. Mm. He was actually screaming, which I think is, there is verbal tapping MMA too, Well, right? that, that should be considered, I mean, it, me as a judge, I, I watched that fight, me as a judge, I would award that as a, as a, as a near finish. Yes. Which is the highest scoring yeah. criteria. And, that, and you know, I was like running to get my flight Nine hours after my fight, I was like ready to fight again. I was like <laughs> sweaty and that was like my face was clean. It was I was totally fine, and I don't know if he was. Uh, it was like he was fine the next day. And you know, I think mm. his arm was pretty swollen. You know, I almost got a heel hook on the first round. I got his back, so I feel like I came close to finish. So I'm like I was a bit lost, you know, mm. to be honest. I was like, all right. So the first fight, you say. You don't judge by round. Yeah. Otherwise, I would have won. And the second fight, again, no damage. But then, I don't know, man. I feel like because the guy was undefeated, they wanted to market the guy. They wanted to build it around him. So it would be a bummer for him to lose like that. And they just had bought that fighter. That's my theory because it made no sense. Because if, if that's the case, then I should have won the first fight. If what they said about the first fight was the case, then I should definitely win the second fight. So... Then I was like, you know what? I'm going to get out of this event. I'm going to try to like build my experience and get more fights. And then I can go back to get guys on that level. I should should be fine. You know, because it was so close, both of the fights. Yeah. You know, They both went to the distance. And I feel like if I only had a little bit more experience, like maybe three more fights. Yeah, for sure. I would be comfortable enough to That's a big stage for your out, first you know? fight. Yeah. That's a big stage for your first fight. Mm -hmm. um, how much? Are, how much of like the the time have you spent doing like working on your striking and stuff? I mean, obviously your wrestling is already good enough to compete. It's with so hard, uh, Lucas, because 
sometimes is like I have I know I'm gonna have a grappling match, so I can't just like Give take it, out my be energy. taking head kicks. Yeah, like, I'm gonna do some Muay Thai now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah after six hours lacking. training. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I'll go to deplete it to my jiu jitsu match. You know, uh, practice. So I feel like every time I have a, ch a chance to to put some time into my Muay Thai training, I do. I I train like I don't know like five times here in, in at Pine Point MMA mm. since I got here, which is. If you look at four months, that's nothing. Only five times, but every every time I have a chance, I'll go and I'll do some striking. Obviously, once I'm like, okay, I'm gonna fight this month for sure, then I'll be I'll be training my striking almost every day. Mm. But I still wanna do it just just enough to be comfortable and clinch because I'm a I'm a grappler. I do this since I'm a kid, so you know I I just wanna get comfortable enough with my striking to get to the ground. On the on the uh, previous years though, like from two thousand end of two thousand nineteen until two thousand twenty one, I was very consistent with my striking. I was doing it almost every day, and then before that, um, you know, that was a, when I was twenty six years old, like two thousand sixteen. I was about I was gonna make my debut then. I trained for a whole year of striking. You know, growing up in Brazil, I did two years of Muay Thai. So if you put it all together, I've done like yeah. years of striking, but. Um, my focus is always going to be grappling. Even sure. MMA fight, I want to take them down. Well, wrestling. Damian Maya was able to do it. Yes, da Damian Maya did it. Actually, yeah. we met him. He he he. Uh, when he fought Ben Askren, he came in Singapore. He came to Singapore. That that fight was oh, here. Is that right? And you remember that fight when he Ben Askren? He finished. The, the, it, it was the world's worst kickboxing match <laughs> yeah, for most of the fight because they decided not the two of the I best grapplers in the, the world nobody went to the ground yeah but then once, like, but what once, once Maya got on got, got his back got on top of him it, it was done but he's the only he's the only really like pure BJJ guy I think who figured out how to do it right way if you want to like force the people to grapple of course Khabib did it but Khabib yeah. did it more with like amazing wrestling, but still strong finishing jujitsu, right? Like yeah. his finishes were still strong. But and Damian Maya was able to do it. He was never able to get win the championship, it's, but he competed at like yeah. the highest level. It still annoys me to this day when he had was it Woodley's backyard and the yeah, ref yeah, yeah. called a stop. And they to stopped it. him. And I was yeah, like, what yeah, the yeah, fuck, yeah. dude? He's got like one. He's got like one hook in already. Yeah. And he's like trying to yeah. sneak behind him. If he crazy. did it, he would be like the modern day Hoist Gracie for sure. Yeah. If you, he would be able to win the. That's the thing is like, I think the UFC needs another one of those. Like another yeah. good representative, like the best representative of jujitsu who can actually consistently get the fight down and finish. Because yeah. like, Khabib was able to do that, but with a slightly different style, right? He focused more on the wrestling. Well, Habib also had had way better hands than Damian Maia. I think yeah. he was able to set up his takedowns. He still had good better. hands. Yeah. And his grappling is not as versatile, and and he probably doesn't have as many sub attacks. The bottom game and the transitions as Damian, but he could take it to the ground a lot easier than Damian does because his wrestling yeah. is a lot more versatile. He yeah. can clinch wrestling, he can shoot, and he was able to hide his takedowns. More because he dropped people his hands many times, right? Yeah. So, I mean, he dropped McGregor. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. because he was concerned about the takedown. I think that that threw him off guard a little bit. And he landed that overhand. But I think, like, his, uh, his hands were... Having good hands also will help your your your, your grappling floor. For sure. Because I mean, people, now they have to cover themselves, then you have a, a gap to shoot them. That's, that's the whole thing. If you want to be a good jiu-jitsu fighter that does MMA, you have to build your entire training system around getting inside and getting a connection, right? Like, because yep. it's so hard to take people down when they all, when they know all you're yeah, trying to all do, you're do is try and take them down. I mean, you have to set it up with your strikes. 
offensively and defensively. And, like, he was the best, too, at getting people against the cage. Like, that's what Khabib took down, like, 85% of his people was just once he got against the, uh, the fence, his clinching was so good. He was one of those guys that if he ever connected his hands, oh, yeah. you were gone. If you ever let Khabib or Islam I had connect their hands to train around with you, him at AK, and he's you like did. a brick. Yeah, you train with Khabib. I oh, how was that? He, it was like everything there is like five minute rounds because it's based on MMA. Mm -hmm. So if you grapple, it's five minutes. If you strike, it's five minutes. MMA, obviously five minutes. So we we rode for five minutes. I pulled guard. I couldn't move him. I yeah. couldn't move him, and he wasn't. He wasn't trying to pass. He wasn't trying to get on any positions. He was just trying to stay heavily on top. It was just pure grappling. Mm. Uh, but I tried to get under him, and at some point I got frustrated. I pushed him, and I stood up. I was like, I'm going to take him down, bro. Oh, But then <laughs> he was the he's training for that guy. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael. What's his name? Michael uh, Johnson. Michael Johnson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, fucked him up in that fight. So yeah. he's, I stood up, and like DC and, and, and the guys, they were like, oh, he stood up. He tried to like tease. And, then and I actually felt like it was pretty cool what he said. He was like, it, it showed me he's like a very humble person because like, Brother, brother, listen. <laughs> my opponent, no good at wrestling. You help me more if you play guard. And I was like, okay, man. Like, I, And then I pull guard and I play guard. Uh -huh. But I think it was cool that he was open-minded. He's like, I got hurt so many times, he was saying, because I was trying to be like stubborn and just yeah. like be the tough guy. And he's like, you know, he was being smart with his training, you know? So, but his grappling is very solid. Like I couldn't get under him. Couldn't sweep. It was just I only trained him one time as mm -hmm. well, you know. So it's hard to, you know, to to tell like to have a, a, a how you say like a very good understanding of how his grappling game is just by five minutes. Yeah. But I did see he was very solid. Felt like a brick guy couldn't move, and like I, I was trying to move him, couldn't move him, and, and he's a light, he's a lightweight. Well, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was like he was technically like, probably weighs he's the same at least as you. like one ninety five. You know. Yeah, he weighs the same. Yeah, probably yeah, yeah. the same as you. But, you know, but, like, I was also training with a grappling for MMA mentality because at that time I was about to get my debut. So it wasn't like I was trying to score or anything. It was yeah, more you're just MMA. training. You're just experimenting. Just training. But I, I did feel, like, how, how strong he was, you know, especially for lightweight. It was, like, crazy strength, you know. So it was nice, you know, because then you see what he's doing there. You're like, okay, yes, I, I know what these guys are going through. Because I, I just grapple. That's all I do. So I'm, if I'm saying he's strong on the ground, a lot of those MMA fighters, they're like, they're not even purple belts, you know? Yeah. So they're probably like super overwhelmed with his strength on the ground, you know? Well, I mean, he fucking yeah. destroyed Michael Johnson in that fight. Yeah. That was a training camp for yeah. him. I mean, he Wasn't he talking to him Talking shit fight? to Dana. Bro, he was whilst, talking, yeah. Matt, and he was beating the shit out of him. Like, yep. that wasn't yeah. like a... Like, when he would beat... When he would, like, ground and pound people... You're he like, was, oh, this is not yeah. nice. This was, is vicious. It was the one where he was apologizing to Johnson for having to have to he's beat like, him up. He's like, like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know I deserve this. You know I deserve this. Talking to Dana that. White while he's just <laughs> fucking <laughs> caving like, in his skull. <laughs> yeah, what an animal. Though. But I mean, <laughs> the, <laughs> but the truth is, is like you're, you're so experienced in jujitsu and it's, it's the same way for me. I haven't been training as long as you, but I know that I, within like 30 seconds of touching somebody, if I'm rolling with them, I can get a tell on where they're at. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, yeah. like a few seconds of touch and a little bit of work, and it's like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. this guy's going to be a fucking problem. Or, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. we're, we're yeah, cool yeah. here. Or, like, I can't move this person. Yeah, yeah, You know? Yeah. <laughs> Real quick, you can you can tell. For sure. I mean, it was more me, like, trying to get under him and looking for attacks. He wasn't really, like, 
trying to pass and stuff. But for what he has to worry about, he was doing fine. He has to just sit on top and yeah. ground and pound people. He so doesn't he was, have to pass. Yeah, he doesn't have to pass. But it was not like I, I could be just completely careless on bottom. I had to be like aware because if I was just so relaxed, maybe he could, you know, yeah. have tried to pass or something like that. But I could feel his strength. That's what I mean. Like he was very solid, very good base on top. Everybody yeah. says that his strength is just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't. That, that's so cool you got to train with him. I mean, he was my favorite fighter for a long time. So the fact that you got to, to train with him is pretty sweet. Who's uh, another person that you got to train with that was just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, I trained with uh, Islam, very high-level grappler, oh, too. Yeah? You trained I with think Islam he's also? like, maybe he didn't feel like that brick sort of strength that Habib has, but he's also like pretty up there with his strength, mm. but he's also more versatile. Mm. He goes for, he tries to pass. He plays guard. He's he's very very good. A very complete grappler, high level grappler. I would say you know, uh, I think like I I even was always saying that when I was training him. I think Islam could be ADCC champion if he just trained for six months, focusing on that. He could. He's that good. He could That's be ADCC crazy. champion. Yeah, very good. Well, I just saw an article. Uh, I think it was yesterday, and it could have just be. It could totally be a trolling article, but it was talking about how GSP might be open to an idea. Uh, open to the idea. Of like a, a nogi match with Khabib. I'd watch Whew. that. I'd watch that. That would be good. I would watch the shit out of that. Yeah, like I think GSP's a legend. But I think grappling wise, I think Habib would smoke him. Yeah, I yeah. think so too. I think GSP would do better in the MMA fight than the grappling fight. Oh yeah, fight. for sure. I think in the MMA fight, like Khabib would really struggle to take him down. But I think yeah. if they were just grappling, Khabib will would get on top and Yes, I agree with you. But still, who I would watch. Still that. watch it. I would watch the shit out of that. Um, all right, dude, I think we can uh, wrap this thing up. My boy Jake's got to go pretty soon. Yuri, I really appreciate you coming on the Thank podcast, you. Thank man. Thank you, guys. This was so much fun. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you for having me. We just did like an hour and a half, and it was like, boom. Yeah. Just teleporting to the other side. Um, all right, dude, so shout out any like social media or any things you're going to be. Seminars, of course, you can be found at Pineapple MMA just yes. down the road here at Grid Mall. Yeah, so yeah, guys, I'm teaching every day at Pineapple MMA uh, in Seligi Road. Seligi and Kirk Terrace, those two rows there. There's a mall. That's where I'm teaching every day. Come by. Come join our grappling uh, classes. We have Muay Thai there too. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Lucas and Jake, for, for the opportunity to be at your uh, podcast. You know, I hope that I hope to visit here again soon. Oh, you, and, you're, uh, definitely. <laughs> you got the open, in, open invite, bro. You can be on any yeah, time. Thank you. I had, great, I had a great time talking with you guys. And, yeah, if you guys want to give me a follow, Yuri Simões da Silva, that's my Instagram. Uh, stay tuned. I'll probably be competing some some matches this year, and uh, I hope to Luke, to give it a good show for everyone. Luke and Shinya need a judge for their super fight as well. Yes. <laughs> did Shinya tell you that? Did Shinya tell you that he's been talking shit? No, to no. Me? What happened? <laughs> because when we came, when I moved to Singapore, he was the first person I ever competed against in BJJ. It was okay. This was like ten years ago when we were both purple belts, and apparently he's been harboring a grudge against me ever since then that I didn't know. And then we, after the last ADCC, we went to an after party and got drunk together. And then he started talking to me about how he needs to get a rematch, that I owe him a, another rematch. And, <laughs> then, like, he's, Where did he come and from? then he's been <laughs> thinking about it for years. And then he came on the podcast and then said it again. He called me out. I had him on the podcast last week. Oh, okay. And then he called me out for a match again on the podcast last week. And I'm like, man, you really, you really <laughs> want to do this, don't you? All right, let's do it. So uh, actually, I think we're going to do it for charity. Did you ever meet uh, Bashir? 
Bashir, I know Bashir from one, right? Yeah, I never met him, but I know who he is and stuff. I think I talked to him on social media. Yeah, so he's uh, he's one of the executives, the matchmakers at one. Uh, mm-hmm. He's the one that that uh, got me hooked up with them judging. And you mentioned doing a charity, yep. uh, doing me and Shinya's uh, super fight for a charity. And I'm thinking we just get a few other like local people in there and we just send... Oh, don't, don't worry. Me and Ron have been talking and have plans. Wait, you and who? Ron. You and Ron? <laughs> oh, yeah. But let's make it fucking fun, right? We'll do a bunch of podcasts. We'll get fucked up, right? Shinya can talk his shit to me. And uh, so we're going to do it. And Bashir is running this charity. I think it's called it for the Shaheen Academy, which is a, uh, a gym that he opened up in Pakistan. And, you know, he's trying to build up the scene there and everything because he's like Pakist- cool. Pakistani-American. So and he, he told me he had a, was doing a fundraiser for it. So I was, as soon as I spoke to you about that, I was like, okay, that's a charity that we can uh, donate yeah, it to. Behind. And, uh, yeah, we'll do some good. podcasts and have a good time. And then me and Shinya will try to strangle each other for your guys' entertainment. I'll watch that one for sure. Yeah, yeah, it'll be <laughs> fun. It'll be fun. And I told him if he beats me, then he owes me another rematch anyway. That's going to be in Singapore, right? Yeah, yeah, we'll do it in Singapore. I'll probably go there, man. Go, <laughs> dude. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. go. Oh, Come yeah. on. You can do comms with me and Ron. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That would be fun. <laughs> oh, I also, Yuri, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you, my phone is the camera right now. Uh, there's a, uh, a Muay Thai event coming up in, uh, I think it's like the end of next month. Pineapple apparently is involved with it somehow. Uh, I'm doing the commentary for it along with somebody else. I don't know if you want you, you want to go or something. That, yeah, that yeah, I'll be down. Go watch some fights together. Yeah, something like that. If you want to hang out, let definitely. Me know. If I'm here, I'll, I'll go. Yeah, let me know. Let me know if you're going to be here because Jake, you're also doing. Yeah, the, yeah. I'll uh, help produce. I think. Yeah. So uh, I'll give you guys all the details on that later. We're going to get some of the fighters on the podcast and uh, who are going to fight in the event. It's Singapore versus Malaysia. And uh, me and Alvin Ong are going to do the, the commentary. And then uh, Major's also going to be involved in the commentary. But he just fought and won yesterday. Yes. Congrats to Major, 41 years old. Have you ever met Major? No, never. He's, uh, he's a local 41. American black belt. He fought and won. And uh, 41, came out of retirement and just fought yesterday. Looking, he's one looking, of my oldest friends in Singapore. He's been on the podcast a bunch of times. Looking shredded Looking as well. shredded, dude. He told me he lost 15 kilos yeah. over the last like uh, four or five months or something like that. So, uh, yeah, we'll get Major on the podcast soon. And another uh, alum of the podcast, Kai Shong, fighting in the road to UFC pretty soon. That's his student. So uh, I'll get Kai Shong and Major on the podcast soon. I'll give you guys more update, more updates about the uh, Muay Thai event. Maybe we mm-hmm. can go if you're here. Yep. And, uh, Jake, anything else? Did we cover everything, dude? No, I think that's everything. All right, everybody. Yuri, you're a fucking legend, dude. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. I really <coughs> appreciate you. You, having you here. I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. If you like it, please like Share and subscribe. This is the Stronghold Podcast, and we will see you next time.